Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Changing the Lost Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played by Slavic, and Adam as the storyteller as they uncover the mysteries of the true fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Where we last left off, we were with Isabel. She was going through and doing some of her some of her house listings. Uh, she got an early start to the day, and was just trying to put some of the freehold and changeling issues she was facing behind her and um, sort of try to have like a normal day of work. Um, she had received a call from Manny. So Raymond, you are still in the hedge after having just set fire to a, a tent that you came across, which contained some, some tools and some parts, we'll say, for making fetches. You stole an axe out of the stump before you left. And also we had Katrina, who had just made a, a deal with some sort of creature to gain passage into the hedge to, to hopefully find you. And you know, a younger version of herself led her through, through the thorns into a spot and kind of disappeared. So we have Katrina also in the hedge. Frank, you had a uh, kind of a hectic night the previous night. You had uh, some intruders break into your home, which you dealt with pretty awesomely, and they gave you some information about some of the things Charlie had been up to with this with this group that he was part of. And you know they took off in 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 fright, and Manny has kind of come over, and he ended up uh, spending the night just sort of sitting awake at your table, and then the next day he he just went to call Isabel straight away. We're going to cut forward a little bit further on in the day. Uh, we're going to say it's no longer early in the day. It's about 6 p.m. Isabel is finishing up with her work day. She's done her last, you know, however many listings. And she's, she's, starting, to feel the, she's starting to feel a little bit tired from, from, you know, just a day of being so focused on hard work. Isabel, what's going on in your mind right now with all this stuff that's kind of been going on? It's been a very hectic three or four days. Uh, Isabel is probably still kind of pissed off. Um, She's mad at the situation. She's mad at everyone involved in it. And she's mad that she got dragged into it. And she doesn't want anything to do with any of these other fuckers right now. (laughs) Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, they're all pissing her off, so she wants to just separate herself for a little while, you know? So what's going on in her head is just, like, actively trying to do anything but think about all of that stuff, you know? Um, but at the same time, there's, like, this small part of her that's just, like, hearing that gunshot, you know? And just thinking about, like, what it meant. She didn't see it, but the knowledge is there. She knows what happened, you know, and it just, it's still kind of tugging at her, you know? Yeah, completely understandable. Um, That's a very crazy moment for 
for regular folks to be involved with, especially folks who have experienced the level of, of trauma that people who are changelings have experienced. So totally understandable that Isabel would be feeling that way. What would Isabel be doing just having finished up her day of work right now, just knowing where everything else has kind of has kind of left off? What would be her next plan of action? She's going to go party. Yeah. Awesome. Isabel's going to party. She's a party girl. She loves it. And uh, that's just how she, like, she she enjoys the nightlife. And so, you know, she's done at six o'clock. That's time to get ready and go out to a club. Where would Isabel be going tonight? Is she going to go to the Changeling owned club? The one that the Spring Court has in possession? You know, uh, she didn't get to she didn't get a chance to really fully like she got she, her night was interrupted. So right. probably, yeah. Uh, she didn't get to really experience the the club as 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 just a normal person going there to just hang out and have a good time at a club. So yeah, yeah, why not? So what do you do? You you are finished with work. You probably have a good few hours until the sort of nightlife club scene really kicks off. Imagine that those sorts of places don't open until probably eight or nine. I actually have no idea, but I'm assuming like at least like nine o'clock or so. She she'd go to like you know a gym, uh, spend some time there, getting some exercise in. Oh, go nice. home, okay. shower, clean up, go out. Very cool. Maybe, All right. Uh, a quick bite to eat before she heads out, you know? Awesome. So Isabel has this sort of, this sort of like routine that, sh- that she can, she can fall into. That's, that's very kind of like, I don't know, focused on the self, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and it's she like, is. you know, after, after a hard day of, of working and, and pleasing other people and making that sort of, of fake, like small talk and stuff like that, Afterwards, Isabel is able to just completely focus on herself. She goes to the gym. You know, she works on her body. She'll enjoy something to eat. She'll spend an ample amount of time just getting herself dressed up, getting herself ready, making herself, you know, look really pretty to go out, making herself the, the, stunning, the stunning person that she is whenever she goes out into the night. We'll leave you there for a second. I wanted to go back to Frank for a second. Frank, uh, it's been it's been a couple hours. Well, it's about it's about five o'clock now. So we'll say that like you and Manny, he woke up at your place pretty early on in the day. He used your phone to make a phone call to uh, Isabel, and then we'll say you know he kind of kind of hung around for a little bit before he before he he left you, just kind of back at the apartment and said said he would call you back or something like that. Let's keep in mind like. Uh, the night before, you had kind of told him everything that you learned from Ronnie and Melissa, which was kind of a lot. You learned that Charlie had been running with this this group of, of what Manny has just informed you is called a Scarecrow Ministry. It's sort of like a, a private club that exists in some autumn courts where individuals get together and they try to scare other people make up stories, make up legends, um, try to perpetuate different acts to generate fear in people, to generate glamour for themselves, and to kind of just just make stories and ideas that are larger than life that will be a source of fear on their own. The group had told you about something that was, according to Manny, somewhat unusual. The fact that this 
character, this creature they created, this uh, legend, the Swamp Daddy, had sort of taken its own life, sort of become its own thing, and is no longer something that is under control by this group of, you know, this local scare, scarecrow ministry that seems to be operating. Whether that's something that got out of their hands and just started to, uh, you know, operate on its own, or whether that was something they intended, is still not necessarily known at this point. Manny didn't really have any idea. He was surprised to, to hear that something like that had been happening in the Freehold, and he doubted that Norma would even know. He had mentioned possibly calling her, but decided against it, uh, knowing that Norma was probably still grieving this uh, this this loss she just experienced. So we'll say that it's it's five o'clock where you're at. You're in the apartment right now. You have the TV on. You hear Joe and Patricia aren't in there today. They might have gone to do their shopping, or they might have gone to do something else, which you're kind of happy about for the moment because you know you gave Joe a scare when yeah. he heard motion next door you can only imagine what he must think of of all of this so what's going on in your head right now well you know frank's just sort of wondering when manny's gonna call because he knows that manny's gonna call him sooner or later and something's gonna go down and it's just sort of he really doesn't like this not knowing what's gonna happen next right yeah that then that totally makes sense you in you and Manny have, you've always spent a lot of time together, but you guys have been spending more time together now in this past couple days than you even would have before. So you always kind of operate on this, this instruction from Manny and you kind of look to him for leadership and you, you see him as a, a good friend and stuff like that. Would you say that like those sorts of like sentiments have, have like increased since, since all this kind of stuff started happening? Where you were like, kind of, you're kind of looking for his his direction and his instruction, and for now sure. more than ever, because especially you know when the, these sort of things don't happen or when Frank isn't needed, then he just you know goes on with his life. He takes care of Fluffy. He goes to his job, but that's basically it. Doesn't really have that many things that he likes doing. Like he has like a small wood carving thing going on. You know, but it's just like he doesn't have like great ambitions or anything. Yeah, just like smaller hobbies and stuff like that. Exactly. Just things that he does to fill the time when when he's not working on something for the for the court. So yeah, so you're kind of lounging in the apartment, fluffy by your side as always. You can say you're you're whittling a piece of wood, kind of making something, and. You you see Manny's car pull up into the into the driveway again from your window, and at this point, this is not even uncommon. You know, you guys have been spending so much time with each other the past few days that he him not calling you before he comes over is just completely regular at this point. You know, it's like he will come over for a few hours, he'll leave for a few hours, he'll come back, and it's kind of just like he'll take small breaks from from thinking about or working on whatever you guys are, are, you know, trying to get to the bottom of together, but then he just comes back. So, you know, he left for a little bit, probably to go home and, and take care of himself and, and whatnot, but a couple hours and he's just pulling right back into the driveway to try to try to figure out what the next step is. It's almost like 
when he tries to leave, he just can't help but feel the need to come back. Like he just needs somebody to to talk about it with. He he doesn't want to just be alone thinking about it. So he he pulls right back into your apartment building complex parking lot, and you shortly after hear the hear the buzz on the the little electronical panel that you'll use to let let people in, and it has like a little intercom and stuff like that. So you hear the buzz, and you hear. Yo, Frank, let me in. Oh, hey, Manny, letting you in. And you press that button, and it makes a, a loud buzz as the door downstairs unlocks. And, you know, within a minute, he's he's at the door, and he gives a, a quick two knocks before he just opens up and just, you know, steps inside slowly. He's like, well, I don't think Isabel really wants to hear from me right now, and I'm not going to keep bothering her. I think she could probably use a use a break from this stuff, and I think she's probably earned it. Okay. He's he sits down at your table, um, just kind of comfortably, and and goes through the pager one more time. It's almost like he's just returning to position after after where he left last time. It's like he just picks the same seat, and he kind of just goes back to just like sitting and thinking. And he's just like, don't really know if I should bring this up to Norma either. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I don't know who to trust, Manny. I trust you, Manny, and you know it's just you have to decide if you trust Norma with this or not. He looks at his watch for a second and he goes, five o'clock and still no Raymond." I just sort. Of, do you think he ran away? Honestly, I wonder if he's still alive. I mean, you said the you said you said Charlie's people were looking for him yesterday. Uh, yeah. I mean, surely they hadn't gotten to him by the time. They were at your place, but I don't know. Oh, this is getting... I don't know what to think, Manny. really thought he'd call. I really thought he would have done that, you know? he. It just doesn't seem seem like him. I think something had to have happened. I don't think he would have bailed. Well, he might have bailed. I, I mean... Do you think they found him, then? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think Melissa and Ronnie found him. I... Pretty confident Ronnie wouldn't have found him. I don't think Ronnie would have been able to to have done anything if he did find him. No. I think Raymond could have talked himself out of that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give him a call later and I'll ask him, but kind of avoiding that subject too. I don't really so want to. Do you want to find anybody. Raymond or what do you want to do, Manny? I do. I, w- I want to go out. I want to I want to look for him. I want to look for him tonight, but I I don't know where to look. I mean, maybe we could just just start looking, though. Well, mm, the thing is, I well, would ask around, but I know Raymond, and I I know if I haven't seen him, probably nobody else has seen him. He's he's not he's not like a active, active, super active member of this of this thing where he's he's in touch with with a great many people. So if I can't find him, if I haven't heard from him, I wonder. If anybody has, I wonder if I—I I don't know. Well, uh, I think Ronnie and Melissa could help us. Uh, they still owe me something. And if I told them to go look for him, they would. I hope. I guess I could call call up Ron. I, I have the number right here, but you know, I'm I'm afraid that I'm I'm gonna want to have us distance ourselves with him, uh, you know, us as a group. I, I don't want somebody like that to be part of, part of my court. 
he's proven to be very dishonorable with the way that he entered your house and, and threatened your you know your your dog yeah i know don't well like what do you him. think frank I'll, I'll let you decide do you think he you tell me he stays or he goes uh, i don't know you say he goes he's gone you just tell me well let's see if he can help us with finding raymond and uh if he if he doesn't find him, he goes. Why don't we just drive to his house? Let's let's skip calling him. Okay. Give him the old Frank and Manny, huh? The old one too. Yeah, it sort of starts punching him, you know, the usual <laughs> thing they do. Alright, we'll get in my car. We'll drive down to Ronnie's and we'll just start asking questions, okay? He's already afraid of you, so you you can do the you can do the bad cop thing and you know, I'll I'll try to I'll try to to use uh, his respect for me to kind of win him over in that way. So, okay, boss. All right, it's a plan. And you guys both get up, and he he walks out the door first, and you probably shut the lights off and lock up and say bye to your dog, or maybe even bring bring her. I don't know. You gonna <laughs> bring the dog with you, or uh, considering what happened last time when Ronnie was there, probably not. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so Fluffy stays behind. You you lock up. You make sure all the lights are shut off and, and whatnot. And you guys make it down the the carpeted hallway down to the staircase. And you, you take the two sets of stairs down to the, the ground floor of this building. And you, you go out the door into the parking lot. And you guys both walk over to Manny's car. And you hear the... You hear it unlock from his little, you know, the keychain, keychain lock thing, and he opens up his door and, and steps onto the little side rail and, and uh, sits himself down in this big SUV and and you do the same in the passenger side, and you guys you guys set off driving and it's it's a very familiar feeling for you. You've kind of always been his co-pilot. You've kind of always been in that seat with everything. It's the way he likes it. He leads the way, you by his side, you guys going to get yourselves into a situation that is not necessarily going to be smooth and safe and predictable. It's, it's, it's what he enjoys. It's what he almost lives for, just, just going out with his friend and just, just, just going where there's some sort of drama, where there's some sort of, some sort of conflict, where something might happen, something might, might pop off and you guys might have to end up in a situation or you guys might have to yell at somebody or, or whatever, but that's, that's his thing. And you're starting to realize how much he depends on you, how much power you actually hold over him, how much he, he would be beside himself if anything ever happened to you or, or happened to affect you or upset you. And he's just kind of, he's just kind of driving around Greater Fort Lauderdale area, just just taking taking turns sharply and kind of like speeding a little bit, and just sort of like giving you this feeling of you guys are on like a chase right now, and you wonder how much of it has to be like this and how much of it is him just I don't know just just feeding his own excitement for for this type of thing, and it's almost scary in a way. It's almost it's almost odd that he would he would approach the situation like this with that type of 
I don't know, that type of attitude, that type of readiness. But you guys, you guys make your way down to where Ronnie lives. And it's, a, it's another apartment building. It's a little bit less nice than yours, but still not the worst. But definitely like a lot, you know, a lot more rundown than the building that you're living in. So you, you guys pull up there and you enter the parking lot, which is surrounded by, you know, a chain link fence with like a, not barbed wire around it, but the posts of the fence are, are very sharp to prevent people from trying to climb up the fence or anything like that. And you can kind of see the, the building is just like this orange brick building. The parking lot itself has a lot of uh, pink paint on certain things. So like the the curb, the those columns that they use to uh, separate parking spaces, they're all painted this sort of like flamingo pink color, which is like a really weird contrast to this the level of rundown that this building is to just see they kind of like slap some pink paint on on some of the parts that they could and the rest is just fairly fairly decrepit it's it's kind of in in a state of of decay and you can kind of hear the loudness from this building too once you get out of the car and you're in the in the entrance for the ground floor you could hear you know all sorts of different commotions people people pl- uh, playing music very loud you hear people arguing you hear steps running it's just a lot a lot, a lot more activity than what goes on in the apartment building that you live at. And you, and it makes you think, like, maybe uh, Ronnie just doesn't care, or maybe he, this is the only kind of place he can live. You know that, like, him and his, him and his people are, are, are drug, drug users and, and heavy drinkers. Maybe that's, this is just where his lot ends up. But you're not really sure, but it crosses your mind that his experience is definitely different than yours. And you seem to be following Manny, who knows exactly where he's going. And he goes up one flight of stairs and goes down a hallway, takes a, a corridor into like a another section of the building and just kind of keeps walking and then takes like a small piece of uh, a small business card out of his pocket and just reads off a, a number from it, and says 42. And he just keeps walking until he reaches door 42 and you guys both stop in front of it and you're looking at each other. You don't hear anything from the other side of the door. You don't see any light cracking from, from the uh, opening underneath. And he just looks at you for almost like, what's the, what's the next step? Do we knock? Do we just open it? Frank starts sort of bashing on the door. Open up, Ronnie, open up. And Manny is almost startled with the with the level of aggression they are leading with, but he just looks at you, and then you know he's he's kind of like shocked by the loudness coming from the door, and he takes like a look around himself to see if you've attracted any attention or not. But then, then you see this this flicker in his eyes as he just sees what you're doing and just decides to match you. He he's he's following your lead, and he sees he sees the way that you want to approach it, and he he just decides to follow suit and do the same. So you're just bashing on the door, trying to get somebody to open up from the other side. You see his eyes just dart, dart to the, the doorknob and he just starts to, starts to try to turn it open. And it's locked, it's, it's not opening, but he's just still turning the knob 
and pushing his elbow against the door, trying to see if he could yeah. see if he can make it budge. And then he leans back and he just starts kicking and just kicking just over and over again. And you see, he no longer has any concern for, for the other residents of this building. You see him just sort of reveling in this excitement of just the two of you tearing shit up again. And it's like, you never really, you never really appreciated or, or noticed really how, how much he just thrives on, on that alone, not to getting to the bottom of something, not to, to figure out like what the end of all this, like what's going to, you know, what's the answer we're looking for. It's almost like the chase is more exciting than, than the catch for him, you know? And so he just starts just full on, just kicking the door, kicking the door, kicking the door until the, the part where the, the lock connects to the actual door frame just sort of like sort of snaps and you see the door just swing open the other way just a little bit and then like go back to go back to the position it was in just no longer shut this time it's like it kind of like swings out and then just like steadies itself again but you can see that this door is is no longer shut nor probably will it ever shut again correctly and Looking into this like crack that you can see now with the door just slightly ajar, you just see complete blackness. You don't see any light. You don't hear any sounds. You don't hear any signs of anything. Ronnie, are you here? And there's just silence. Well, Frank's sort of going to take the lead, you know, just walk right in, try to turn the lights on. You take a step through the doorway, and you're feeling around up against the wall to try to find a a light to turn on in there. It's pitch black. You can't see in front of you at all. And you eventually do find a find a, a set of switches and you you do the one farthest from you and you hear a fan above you turn on and you do the one next to it and you see a light in the hallway turn on and then you do the, the next one, which is the one closest to you in the last, and it turns a light on right above your head, the one that is directly under this ceiling fan. And you just see the, the disarray of this apartment. Why don't you give me a... Just give me the, the, the classic, the wits and composure. So that's two successes. So looking around, you're, you're not sure if this is just a, a general mess or, you know, the more you start to look at it, it you start to see that it, it's more than a mess. This place has been trashed. You don't know if this is something that Ronnie did. I mean, he was clearly upset when, when he saw you. And you could just see the desperation in his eyes when he picked up your dog. Or when you, when you scared the shit out of him so bad that he, he made that pact with you. Or, you know, just completely spilled the beans about Charlie and about what was going on with him. And so you're starting to, to look at him more. And it, it, it definitely appears to just be trashed like not just like he's been living very messily like a lamp is knocked over and it's broken and you just see things everywhere you see drawers that have been opened and not shut papers everywhere just like somebody just rifled through everything going further into the the main room of ronnie's apartment you see uh, a mirror that's been smashed and you just see these little shards of glass um all around the floor around it and you even hear them crunch under your feet. Oh no. Manny? And Manny is just following right behind you. He's just kind of like 
not really sure what to say. Just taking everything in. This reminds me of Raymond's house, where I think I saw that thing in the mirror. Well, I mean, this this could have been Ronnie's doing. He's always been I, a little bit of a that's head. That's what I did when I saw it in the mirror. I smashed it. You want to check out the other rooms? Yeah, we have to. Maybe we can find some clues. Let me describe this room that you're in really quick, just so I can give you like a quick layout of the of the the apartment building. So you've just entered kind of a. So you guys are standing inside of a just like a main room, living room type of area. There's like a couch and a center table and a TV. This building has this like smoke stained yellow carpet that kind of it's like a little bit like long carpet. It, it looks almost like yarn or something. Um, and it's very dirty. Uh, the walls are very ugly wallpaper that is also very dirty and, and cigarette smoke stained. As far as like the sorts of items in the house, there's like a, uh, like a futon that sort of acts as like the main couch. And there's just a, a sheet on it, just like a bed sheet that is kind of just being used as like a, a cover which is uh, also very dirty, cigarette smoke stained. Everything in this house is just kind of, it's kind of dingy. The air smells like, just like stale smoke. The whole building does for the most part, but you, you, can, you can smell it in the apartment as well. And to the left of you, you see like a narrow hallway, which has two rooms, that, two doorways. One doorway has the door open and you can clearly see it's a it's a bathroom and the other door directly next to that so the bathroom door is the one closest to you the one next to that is just a shut door which you're assuming is like some type of bedroom or some type of you know like a like a master bedroom of this one bedroom apartment so yeah frank's gonna slowly walk up to it you know and slowly open the door hoping there's nothing on the other side or no one, rather. So you you push this door open slowly, and you can hear the complete silence, except for the, the humming of this fan overhead. And as you push the door open, you see this bed just in the middle of the room. You see clothes thrown about, and you see like his dressers, um, the drawers all open, just as you know, same state of disarray that the rest of the house is in you see that there is this this lump on the bed it's like a a shape of a person it's it's covered by this by this white sheet and you can just see this foot poking out of the sheet and you mm-hmm. think to yourself okay this is ronnie's foot but is he is he sleeping or is it and just as you're starting to ponder it manny you know, you guys are you guys are both in the room, just sort of like staring at what is either sleeping Ronnie or dead Ronnie, and you guys walk a little bit closer to this to the side of this bed, and you guys are both just looking down, and neither of you has said anything yet, and then Manny just kind of reaches over, and he just like pinches the top of the sheet and just pulls it down a little bit, and you just see. Ronnie just laying with with his with his throat just slashed completely and he's completely dead. You you see his eyes are just wide open giving you this this gruesome stare. And Manny immediately drops the sheet and just kind of 
shoots back a little bit and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no. Holy shit. (sighs) Not another one. What the fuck happened here? And he's just like, he's just shocked and he's looking around and he's just, he just is like, "Uh, uh, I, uh, what the hell? He doesn't know what to say. He's just, and he's just looking at it and he's just like, he wants to, he wants to almost like give him a shake or something. And he's just like, he's, that's Ronnie. He's, he's dead. He's fucking dead, dude. What the hell? And he, he'll, he'll walk over and he'll kind of like peek over the bed again, just taking like a final look. Oh, and his, his face, you can just see, it's just like, uh, it's weird. It's like this combination of like, ew, gross. And also just like, just complete disbelief. And he'll actually pull the sheet back up over Ronnie's face and he'll just be like, what the fuck? So what Frank will do is just, oh, this is bad. And he'll sort of walk up to, you know, just peek under the sheet and just take a look at the wound, you know, like touch it and see like, oh, how did he die? Did he just lay here? I don't see any blood on any of his stuff. This is weird. Yeah, I've slaughtered things before. There's blood everywhere, usually. I mean, and... You just see him, he's looking around, and he's like, well, I mean, there's a little bit here, but... No, he would have struggled a lot more, unless he was hit in the head real hard. What the hell? Doesn't look like it. Do you think this happened to him when he was just just sleeping here, or... Mm. I mean, look at his... He looks like he's... He looks like he's just sleeping there. Yeah. Could have been, I don't know, some nightmare ghost thing... You know, like the sort of thing that possessed Charlie, or I don't know. This is not what I was expecting to find here. No. And you just see Manny, and like, it's like, again, you're just noticing that it's almost like it just lights this fire inside of him when, when just like the plot thickens and when things are just like, when things are just weirder. It's almost like this became like more of an adventure for him, you know, and it's just like, he doesn't seem to have any any sort of any sort of remorse or you know empathy or sympathy or, or whatever for for seeing Ronnie dead. It's kind of like this abstract thing the way that he's the way that he's talking about this this corpse in front of him, you know? Just like, "Oh, where's it's it's more of just like a scientific like approach to it where he's just like, "Where I wonder where the blood is. I wonder, you know." And he's not He's not mourning in in any way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, we should we should go. We should definitely go. Are you here, sure? Let's, let's look around really quick, uh, and th- and then we got to get out of here. We we fucked up his door. Uh, somebody could be calling somebody soon. Uh, we we should we should get out of here. We should definitely get out of here. And you see, I mean, he's just kind of like he's looking around Ronnie's room. He's he's peeking into the drawers he's very careful not to touch anything he's he's very careful not to to leave any any trace of himself anywhere and you you kind of see him take like a handkerchief out of his pocket and just like put it over his hand before he before he commits to you know fully opening a drawer and peeking inside and stuff like that and he gives everything a quick look for for maybe 30 seconds to a minute and then he just he just says let's get out of here let's let's go let's go now 
Okay, Manny. And you guys, you guys exit Ronnie's apartment, and you guys are both walking. You're walking fast, but you're not running out of there. It's like you're trying to trying to keep your cool. You know, stay stay normal, stay focused. You know, mm-hmm. like not not stick out. And you guys, there's so much shit going on in this apartment complex right now. You guys are passing doors where you hear domestic disputes happening. You hear children just being loud and playing and stuff like that. You hear like the bass of somebody's music. And it's like this this whole world here is just happening so loud that you're able to just go by unnoticed. And so you and Manny make it back to the car and he starts up the car. He cautiously drives out of the parking lot. He drives a little bit down the street, hits his blinker on and just pulls over. And he just looks at you and he's just like, Jesus Christ. What? Oh. Should we go? Should we go see Melissa? I, I don't know. I don't have her address, but I mean, you said you saw them both together last night. Do you think yeah. she would have? Do you think she would have done this to Ronnie for for spilling the beans about Charlie? No, they. No. They're weird. They're weird. They're they're too too loyal to each other. I don't I don't see it that way. I mean. Yeah, and how would she do this? I don't know. I mean, Did he? Hmm. No struggle just died there was no blood which is weird and you guys are sitting there in silence for a little bit before he hits the blinker back and just kind of just starts down the road again no real destination just you guys driving again hello folks have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High-level games the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin at highlevelgames.ca Please, help. They're coming. (laughs) The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing.
central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.